Okay, Matt. Well, we have finally come to the end of the NFL regular season. It seems like just yesterday season was starting. So excited. And here we are, what, 18 weeks later. Now it's time for the playoffs. And, you know, before we dive in, like the little short you or reel you put together, our predictions once again. I mean, I guess we're we pretty watch good sports. at this stuff. Yeah, we yeah. watch sports. We're good at predictions. Like, um, both of us had exactly right record predictions 12 and 5 for your Cowboys, and then 11 and 6 for my Dolphins. Although I wish I was wrong. Uh, but nonetheless, still came out. And yeah, let's, I don't know, maybe we'll see how hot we can stay in, in the postseason. But We've got a lot to talk about. Heavy football segment here. Lots to talk about with the NFL as well as the CFP, which concluded tonight. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, Matt, let's get right into it. You know, got a lot to talk about, like I said. So, as usual, your Cowboys ending the season on a good note um, all around. So why don't you just dive right in, give us your take on this last game. Uh, against the commanders and you know how the regular season went well i can't just call them the cowboys i gotta call them the 2023 nfc east champs did i not call it as i said 18 weeks ago it was it was a kind of a roller coaster uh regular season i'll be honest but it ended on a high note which is the most important thing which is what you want out of a playoff team going into your first round of games. And I think for Dallas, um, you know, playing a division opponent in Washington on the road, right? The narrative is Dallas cannot win on the road, but you know, they win 38 to 10. And yes, we take the opponent into context. Washington was not a hundred percent. They traded two of their pass rushers mid season away, basically sold at the deadline. But you know what? It's still a division game. As you look at, you know, the Eagles, right? Eagles and Giants, anything can happen in a division game. But for Dallas's sake, you know, they controlled their own destiny with what happened the previous week. So all they had to do was win against Washington and they get the beloved two seed in the NFC, which is huge for a team that is undefeated at home this year. Guarantees you at least two home playoff games if you make it that far. But, you know, as far as the game, Dallas, they came out. Boom. It was a kind of a fast start. You know, the defense gets a stop on fourth down. You kind of know Eric Bieniemy in Washington. They're just going to empty the playbook. You know, they're going to throw all these gadget plays out. Um, but you're able to stop Washington on their first drive and you go right down the field. Boom, boom, boom. You get a touchdown. You're up 7 nothing, So I'm thinking, okay, this is great. You know, we're going to put a team away early, fast. We can rest our starters and get that two seed, and we'll be on our way to the playoffs. But there was a little bit of a hiccup, you know, in the late first. Um, Brandon Aubrey's lining up for a kick. It gets blocked. It gets returned almost for a touchdown. Washington ends up scoring a touchdown. They end up taking the lead, actually. Um, Dak throws a pass that was deflected 
and intercepted. So Washington actually took a 10 to seven lead. And I'm thinking, honestly, oh my goodness, are they really going to choke again when the opportunity is right in front of them? And no, I was, I was wrong. I thought they were going to choke, honestly, because it was just looking like that. But Dallas answered the bell and they did it with their superstars on offense. Dak Prescott, he was, I mean, he was outstanding. Washington is not a good defensive team at all. I believe they are actually the worst defensive team by the NFL metrics and stats. But he was great. Dak, you know, he was in total command of the offense. I mean, he's just locked in right now. I like that he's looking for CD. Mike McCarthy's trying to get him the ball. And CD is a guy who's going to win one-on-one most of the time. So you just look his way and good things happen. And our guy and our running back, Tony Pollard, kind of, you know, it wasn't a splashy, you know, 70-yard game. But I liked what I saw out of him, too. I mean, there was a drive where he really set the tone for us. Um, He got us the lead back. He was the catalyst on that drive. You know, we go up 14-10 and then from there kind of settled everyone down. And then Dallas just, you know, as we always do, when you get ahead, the floodgates open for this team. Um, But what I really liked was this team just didn't fold when a typical Cowboys team would. They have everything on the line, you know, losing to an underdog on the road, you know, melting down. They easily could have did that. But this team didn't. They bounced back. They asserted their dominance. And I thought, They got a run game going, which was good because I think they're going to need that in the playoffs, albeit against Washington. But I saw signs of life. The offense was there and even the defense, just getting your confidence back. I mean, the pass rush, it wasn't great, but they had moments late in the game. They kind of started to, you know, attack and eventually get to Sam Howell. And what was really important was the defense got back to taking the ball away. And I think they just need to feel that energy. Because it's been kind of missing from that defense for, I would say, since the Buffalo game. Um, You know, even, you know, against your team in the Dolphins, we didn't really get a turnover. I don't remember. And then against Detroit, we had a couple. But, you know, it was like timely picks. It wasn't like a a floodgate where an avalanche comes, you know. That's kind of what Dallas is built on defensively. And if we can kind of feel that going into the playoffs, that's a great sign. So really, all around... Um, nothing really to complain about. They took care of business. That's the most important thing. And we'll get into it with our playoff preview. So I won't get into the, the Packers matchup. But the one thing I am concerned about is Stefan Gilmore and being healthy. He did get nicked up with the shoulder injury. Um, it sounds like he's going to be okay, which is good. But that's going to be a huge, huge piece for us to have. If we can get him back fully healthy, you know, We did what we had to do. We got the two seed. We got out of there healthy and we found the rhythm. So I'm all for it. I think this is a trap game. They answered the bell. And now, you know, like you said, it was 18 weeks, a long marathon. But now, you know, it's the home stretch now. It's a new season. It's the sprint. So next week, it's go time. But this team is peaking at the right time. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited for this team. And this is the year, baby. This is the year. I can feel it. I can feel it. You don't want me to get too excited because then I'm going to be demoralized at the end. But 
I'm starting to feel that typical cowboy hype, man. Uh, I've been waiting before I was born for this moment. So I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling it. All right. Okay. Well, well that was pretty quick. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, there's really, I'm not going to break down a game. I just wanted to see them get a rhythm, take care of business. They handled their adversity, which was good. Hey, that's that's all you want. I mean, just be rolling, and th and they're hitting their stride right in time. And I couldn't be happier. The only thing I was worried about was Stefan Gilmore, but sounds like he's going to be okay. So if that's the case, we're right where we're supposed to be, as Mike McCarthy said. Okay, well that's good. Um, yeah, because I'm going to take a little bit of time. I'm hoping I don't ramble for too long because we do have the entire you know, a little bit of a regular season recap and playoffs that we need to get to, but I got to get to this game first. Right. And I know you got to let it out. I, I understand. I, I know your pain. So that's why I was kind of short, you know, nothing to complain about for me. So yeah. I, I give you that extra 10 minutes <laughs> that I normally <laughs> ramble on. That's your time. All right. Well, let me just get right into it then. So, you know, Kind of to preface it, in my regular season preview, I said that I saw this game when the season was about to start. And I, with how I saw the season playing out, I had a feeling that, well, I said it was going to be a do or die game, but more so I meant it would be uh, a big game, right? I, I just felt like with how Buffalo looked last year, with how Miami looked last year, this was going to be a big game with some kind of implications. And lo and behold, I was right. Got flexed to the Sunday night game. Last game of the NFL season, all the pressure on for the two seed and home field advantage for at least two games, you know, if if you win the first one um, in the playoffs, which is huge. You know, either team, I'm sure Buffalo, you know, would love to have that. But especially for Miami, who has not proven to be a great road team this year. And it was going to be a big game. So the lights were on and we know what happened. But, you know, before I get into the bad, I'm not going to go offense, defense. I want to get to the good first. So the good stuff that I saw on Sunday night, I want to start with the defense. First of all, I thought, you know, going against Josh Allen and with how, you know, hot that offense had been since their OC change uh, in the midseason looked much better, but I thought the defense, you know, and I'll get to the injuries later because that's something I'll discuss in the Kansas City preview, but going into this one, no Xavier Howard, no Bradley Chubb, and Jalen Phillips, who were having, you know, almost Pro Bowl, maybe all pro, but, you know, in that Pro Bowl conversation type of year, and to lose our two best edge rushers hurts right and we also lose Andrew Van Ginkle uh early who had been kind of that third guy to get in the rotation and you know he had been an impact player for us all season uh pick six lots of pressures you know I think he had a game with 10 tackles so we lose him early as well and it's like oh my goodness can we catch a break with these injuries um but lo and behold you know the defense did their thing. I mean, we held Josh Allen and that offense. They The offense only scored 14 points, you know, and 
with just how dwindled we were, I mean, we caught a, a few breaks, right? Uh, Jalen Ramsey got cooked by Stefan Diggs, uh, but Josh Allen missed them. That would have been a, you know, really long touchdown there. But outside of that, I mean, Eli Apple, he gets burned by <laughs> Stefan Diggs. But I mean, he was in decent coverage. Honestly, it was just a heck of a play by Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, who are all pros, right, at their best. So kind of hard to complain about that one. Uh, I mean, even James Cook dropped a touchdown earlier. So a uh, little bit of luck, but still, I thought the defense played well enough. Um, so the first two guys I really want to highlight are two last standing, um, healthy, starting defensive linemen in Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. I thought, you know, they don't always – it's not like they're wreaking havoc on every single play, but you can feel kind of their presence when it matters. Uh, Zach Sealer, he's kind of the under-the-radar guy, but, uh, you know, he has close to double-digit sacks this year, uh, you know, off of a new contract. Uh, he's been a consistent force for our defensive line. And then Christian Wilkins, you know, in a contract year – looking for um, a pretty big bag, he comes up with a huge play himself, right? Uh, you know, beating a one-on-one, not only sacking Josh Allen, but stripping him and recovering a fumble, you know, while the Bills are driving to completely uh, stifle their momentum. I thought that was a huge play. Um, and as well as I got to give credit, I thought Vic Fangio, for the most part, for the most part, you know, dialed up the pressure at the right time, called a good game for the most part, you know, I would say almost the entire game. He got lucky at one point. I will he say. did. He did. Um, the end of the first half. He did. And I'll, I'll get to that. But, um, you know, for the most part, dialed up the two pressures that caused the other two uh, interceptions in the, you know, in the end zone from Josh Allen. So I thought defense gave us a chance. Right. They gave us a chance and kept us in the game in a must win game. Right. I mean, we're in the playoffs. Yes. But for the implications that, you know, we're at stake for the playoffs, I thought the defense, I got to tip my cap to them, especially being shorthanded. Um, you know, Jerome Baker, like you said, bailing out. I felt like a questionable play calling defensive play call. Uh, he stops the bills on the one yard line right before the half right to before they're about to score a touchdown and that would have been huge because the bills get got the ball to start the second half so you you would hate to give that turnaround right but he comes up lays the wood and you know stops the bills right there um game of inches right we always talk about so got to tip my cap to that and the last one on the defense you know at the end of the game the tush push which has been pretty much unstoppable with an athletic quarterback and you know, he's not Jalen Hurts, but Josh Allen, you're going to expect one of the – actually, no. I'm going to say he is the most, like, athletic or the best physical specimen the NFL has at the quarterback position, right? Uh, we've seen it time and time again. And just athletically, you know, what he, what he can do as a runner, for the Dolphins to stop him – on fourth and half a yard, fourth and one, to give the offense one more chance. I thought, you know, that was a heck of a play because I thought the game was already over 
at that point, right? He just needs one I yard. I know you were texting me as like, oh, it's over. Like, no, it's I, not. This I knew he's short. <laughs> but I genuinely, like, genuinely, I thought it was over because it's one yard and it's Josh Allen, right? Like, he's gonna go get that one yard. I've he was making superhero plays the whole second half anyway. So what you know, I had no reason to believe that there's no way he's not gonna get one yard. But gotta give tip my hat to the defense. They put it all on the line uh there at the end. And so that's the good. Um now I have to get to the bad. Okay. And the bad ready. <laughs> yeah, the bad is just not what you want to see in the last game. Um, so I'll start off with the main guy and the reason I became a Dolphins fan, it's Tua, right? Um now I'm not gonna I am somewhat objective, right? He did not play a good game, but I'm not going to say he is the sole reason that this game was lost like that. You know, there's no way you can put it all on his shoulders for all those people saying, oh, it's all on Tua and he's not the guy. And, you know, he, you know, he cost us the game. Okay, let's I just want to break down so that he had three bad throws, I thought. Um, So obviously the first interception uh, at first, I was thinking, oh, it's just a punt, you know, but I kind of went back and looked at it again. Um, I, I would like to see either a better decision of either a check down or something like that, or just throw the ball a little bit earlier to Tyreek. He hasn't really underthrown Tyreek all season, you know, which last season he was kind of underthrowing Tyreek. But you really didn't see that this year. This one, he just underthrew him. Like I, I think he was a little bit late and that cost him that interception. But you know what? You, you're trying to spark something early. Um, it was third and long anyway. You know, okay, whatever. It's still, I still don't think it was a good decision. But early, that early in the game, you know, first possession, okay, you can live with that one, right? Uh, the second one that I thought was bad, not the interception, but we had, I think it was a first and 15. And, you know, he throws a ball short to Tyreek coming over the middle. Uh, it's ruled a catch on the field, then it gets overturned. And, you know, he he just shorted Tyreek there. That That's more of a physical throw. I mean, you know, you're going to miss some throws throughout the game, right? It, it's just bound to happen. Um, but that one was a big one because it turns a second and one into a second and 15, right? And that's a huge uh, difference there in that situation. But I have to talk about the last one, which I thought was his most egregious mistake at the worst possible time. Um, so just in the context of the play, Tyree comes out to play before, you know, he takes a big hit. So he's not even in the game. Right. And we don't have Jalen Waddle. So I was kind of curious, okay, obvious passing situation. We need to throw the ball, right? Who are we going to look to? Is it going to be Smythe? Is it going to be Barrios, Craycraft? I saw Claypool in there. Um, didn't think the ball was going to him, but you know, Tua decides to force the corner to Claypool with the cover two safety over the top there, Rap uh, misses him outside, and that's the game pretty much. So I'm more upset about the decision than the throw. You know, like like I said, yes, you want your quarterbacks to hit your receivers every single time and make these perfect throws, but it's, you know, it's going to happen. Um, my thing is more on the decision, and, you know, I get forcing one there if it's fourth down, right? If fourth down or – there's 30 seconds left. Oh man, we got to make a play right now or the game's over. But, you know, we still had some time. There was like a minute plus left. 
it's only second down like if it's not there take the quick chunk or take the out or even lo and behold throw the ball away if nothing is there right and so i just think that hero play that he tried to make is what cost him the game um at the end there trying to force it to claypool and that we just can't have right like just knowing the situation it's not desperation heave time yet right and i think just we need he needs to know that uh moving forward i hope we get that addressed you know yes it's two minute but hey minute plus second down take a check down or you know throw it away live to play the next down the game is not over if we don't get this first down yet right and i thought but outside of those three like people are harping on him i was going through the plays again i really don't think he made an egregious mistake or missed you know, a really important throw outside of those three throws. Um, so that's all I have for Tula. Obviously, it has to be better, right? In, and, you know, the last drive of the game, you want your franchise guy to be the one, no matter who's out there on the field, to get it done. Unfair or not fair, right? Um, that's just what we expect out of quarterbacks, especially the ones we discuss as being elite or potentially elite, right? We, we expect them to get the job done, when the game is on the line and you know he hasn't done it against the good teams i'll say this year he he's had some you know good drives like the dallas game for example right led them down the field um but it just wasn't that last drive so it doesn't get all the hype i would say but it's not like he can't do it which is i think the most frustrating thing because he can do it uh but just hasn't done it on the biggest stages which is the most frustrating part about all that um so outside of Tula, I thought, you know, really the Dolphins just couldn't capitalize on the turnovers and the mistakes that Buffalo was making, right? Every time we'd get a stop, you know, we couldn't capitalize. And I couldn't quite understand um, because we were running the ball so effectively in the first half. And it's one thing, you know, to go away from the run. Um, but I just thought it was you know, abandoned a little bit too soon early in that second half, um, you know, and the quick three and outs, I thought just killed our defense, you know, who were on the field for these extended drives against the Buffalo offense and couldn't really, you know, get a chance to catch their breath. And so I just would like to see, I don't know if that's Mike McDaniel between him and Tua, um, but he, just the run game just, stopped in the second half and it stopped being effective as well so i think that's something to focus on you know in in this next game we're really going to need to run the ball keep the ball out of patrick mahomes hands but play calling i just thought we needed to execute um a little bit better just overall right um and so not only that but the penalties, I mean, we had, you know, just bad penalties at bad times. Um, Alec Ingold, you know, had a pretty out of character, uh, unnecessary roughness that pushed. That was after um, the incompletion to Tyreek, that second and 15 turned into second and 30. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, and like I was going through the possessions that we had in the second half. And it's really like Braxton Berrios doesn't get far enough on his on his uh, curl route. He stops short, uh, fourth and one. We have to punt. Then we have the big penalty on the next possession. 
Um, and then I thought, which was a crucial one, before the last drive of the game was we had the ball, um, you know, about six, seven minutes left in the game. And, you know, the Bills blitz. Tua picks it up, right? He sees it, throws it hot to Tyreek, and the ball hits Tyreek right in his hands, and he drops it. Like, on third and seven, we need to have those plays out of our best guys, right? Especially Tyreek Hill, who I think has gotten a little bit of slack because of the numbers he puts up. But now I'm starting to think, you know, in some of these big games, he's having some pretty crucial drops, right? You go back to, I believe it was the Philly game where the ball hits him right over. Okay, sorry, got cut off there. Thank you, Hiko. Um, Anyway, (laughs) let me get back into what I was saying. So I think I ended with the Baltimore game, talking about Tyreek. So as I was saying, just unfortunate that, you know, we're having some of these big drops from Tyreek. You know, dropped a touchdown last week against Baltimore. And then the pass that, you know, the third down, which I thought was a critical, critical drop. Because um, we have, you know, we're forced to punt on that end of the field and rely on the defense one more time. So, and sorry, and one more drop that I thought was also pretty brutal. We got bailed out on uh, from a holding call on their corner, but I mean, really hits Tyreek right in his two hands. And yes, he's not the same Tyreek of old, but he's still the fastest player in the league I, for my money. Uh, with the ball in his hands, right? And so, even injured, you know, he hasn't been right ever since he got rolled up on uh, several weeks ago. But even injured, you know, he catches that thing in stride. Uh, I think he, he runs, even if he doesn't take it all the way for a touchdown, he gets more than just the PI call, right? Um, so, it's just unfortunate. You want to see your big-time players make the big-time plays in the moments that count, right? Um, and so can't let Tyreek off the hook there. Um, one thing, like I said, Vic Fangio, I thought called a really good game, except for the end of the first half, which I could not fathom. Uh, you could have lost the, I was oh, you did lose scre- the game, but yeah. I mean, I was screaming. I was like, what are we doing? Um, so talking about the end of the first half, it's third and 10, but I think they're at the 20. They're at the 20 yard line and we're going prevent in the end zone with, uh, I believe it was 20 seconds. There's like 15 to 20 seconds. Yeah. So there were, um, yeah, there was 15 seconds left, right? It's not like it's the last play of the half. And I just couldn't fathom what we're doing because by playing prevent, we're essentially guaranteeing they get two plays, right? Uh, and we're giving the sidelines. Like, we're not even protecting the sidelines in prevent. I couldn't. I was so confused by the call, and it didn't make any sense. The camera panned to Tua. Tua's confused. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. I didn't. I'm like, what kind of? I, it literally made zero sense to go prevent in that situation. Like I, I think said, Buffalo was shocked, too, honestly, because yeah. I think they audible. Like they were like, oh, I would think the so. They're in, they're in I would do let's the just exact check, Let's just would, dump it down. Exactly. And, you know, lo and behold, they go pick up a first down and stop the clock 
with 11 seconds left. And so, you know, that gives maybe two shot, two plays or at least one more play into the end zone and get a chance to kick the field goal. Right. And I'm just, I was so mind, I was just baffled. I'm like, what are we doing? But luckily we get bailed out again by first half, Josh Allen choosing, you know, to throw the ball short of the end zone. And our guys come up, you know, shout out Jerome Baker, who I mentioned, comes up, makes the play. But, I mean, really bailed out there by the Bills. Um, and to me, that's just inexcusable. And for for it to happen from Vic Fangio, uh, I could not understand how how that happened. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the big one. Um, and last one, special teams, right? Uh, we can't, I mean, special teams has been hurting us more of recent, but man, to let up a 90 plus yard punt return for a touchdown in a game where, you know, we had really stopped Buffalo on offense up until that point, uh, you kind of felt the momentum shift. And I did too, because it was just one of those games where, you know, Buffalo was giving us all the chances, you know, Josh Allen with the turnovers and they don't score and they fumble and we let them right back in the game um, just like that. Right. Because we couldn't capitalize on offense. That I thought was just the backbreaker. That kind of to me felt like, oh, here we go. Like now we're going to lose. <laughs> um, just can't be having that, you know, like. In a one score game uh to let them run it back like we just have to execute better on special teams point blank right because so many times and in the playoffs oftentimes it's a special teams you know thing or or a turnover something uh when two offenses or two defenses are playing their butts off sometimes that's the kind of thing to shift the needle in a certain direction um, and so special teams can't have it, can't have those mistakes happening. And uh, I think I'm done, Matt, but <laughs> I will just, you know, I'll, I'll wait till we, we talk about the Chiefs, but it's so weird because everyone's acting like the season's over. I know we got to go to Kansas City, right? I know it's cold. I know it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I know. But the season is not over. I'm like all over Dolphins Twitter and it's just negative vibes and energy. Maybe that's just how it is because, you know, that's what they're used to. And me being a new Dolphins fan, I'm not used to that yet. But, hey, we still got game a game to play, right? It's not like the season ended just like that. Um so even the Dolphins players, you know, I'm they felt demoralized, I'm sure, but I hope they they also the guys in the building have the feeling that hey, we're not done yet. You know, we still got the whole play we we still got a playoff game. A playoff game. And we're hanging our heads like this. Uh, like I I don't know. I just hope the energy in the building shifts to go into Kansas City and are ready to play. Um but I'll wait. I'll wait on that before you know we get to kind of the um, uh, wild card weekend matchups. And so with that, Matt, I'm gonna say I'm done for now. 
uh, with that game, especially. But you feel better? <laughs> I, I feel a little bit better. <laughs> Gotta let you it know. out, man. I know how you feel because most of the time, that's me. I'm in your situation. Just, it's just nice to be the pure not in like that situation. <laughs> it was, it was really pure frustration knowing you know not only to have the three game lead early in the season but to lose to buffalo it's like it's like a stat it was stacking it was you know we blew the division lead after the titans loss right that already started you know is good is haunting us right but then we lose to the bills at home on prime time with the chance to win you know it's like all those things that compiled together it's just so frustrating of a loss and the worst way i felt like to go into the playoffs but like i said we still have the playoffs so you know trying to stay a little bit upbeat because the season is not over even if it might feel like it's over for some fans it's not over yet so just got to throw that one out there. But before we get into the, the preview, got to talk about Texans-Colts, the other you know big game of the weekend with implications. And, man, were we wrong about C.J. Stroud, I think, um, going into this one because I don't think either of us saw the type of season he would have in Houston, leading his team to the playoffs as a rookie, doing so in the way that he did the numbers he put up and he has that it factor i think matt um because in a similar game you know season is on the line essentially a playoff game for both teams right Mm -hmm. houston and indy it was a win or go home game you're in indianapolis on the road um and for him to make those you know really two special plays um Man, that to me was just kind of he. That's kind of that those plays where it really excites you as a fan base because it's like, oh, now you have the feeling that yeah, he's a rookie, but hey, we give CJ Stroud a chance to win the game. You know, you have the feeling that it's gonna get done, and that's a huge feeling to have um, for any team, any franchise to have that guy. Um, but really, Matt, we, I think we want to talk about kind of more of the ending of that game. Um, you know, CJ Shroud, heck of a game, but the Colts had the chance, man. Um, had a chance to come back and spoil CJ Stroud's rookie year. Um, and I'm sure we both have issues with the final play call for the Colts. Um, but man, how do you leave? your third string running back out there in the game season on the line to make a catch like that. Um, Granted, it was not a very good throw by Gardner Minshew for the route that was was run. Not (laughs) Not a good throw Gardner, you know, he's been up and down obviously, but uh, had the chance to be the hero at the end, especially after, you know, Kaimi misses his first extra point all year. And I was thinking, oh God, please don't let that be the reason. You, they lose you were this thinking game. the same thing I was. I was I like, was he's like, going to be the reason they lost. Like, oh, <laughs> and he hadn't missed an extra point all year, by the way. That was his first missed extra point all year. I was like, oh, don't tell me that extra point's going to be the reason they lose. Um, but no, they get bailed out because 
you throw it to, first of all, I don't hate the play call. I thought it was a good, you know, read on fourth and one perfect play design, but first of all, the throw, not a good throw in that situation, making your receiver turn his back like that. But my issue, I think the bigger issue is how do you not have Jonathan Taylor or even Zach Moss out there, Matt? And I think it's not just Breach. us. Everyone, everyone, you know, that was thinking the same thing, whether you're a Colts fan or not, just someone watching the game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was having an absolute monster day on the ground. I mean, really, the reason they came back in that game was because he became the old Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, Zach Moss had a good year. People, you know, don't really realize. But when Jonathan Taylor was out, Zach Moss was having a great year. Um, you know, he was one of the league leaders in rushing. So, you know, I could see, okay, JT is absolutely gassed. Put in, put Moss in there, you know, let him make a play for the team that he was helping carry for a majority of the year as well. You throw it to a third string running back who had what, I think they said six receptions. Six catches the entire year. The going entire into the game. year. Like, I just don't understand how that can happen. I don't know who's fault that is is that the positions coach is that Steichen oh that's gotta be Steichen he's calling plays so he has full control over the offense but to yeah um like everyone else was feeling how do you not have the ball go to one of your marquee guys with the season on the line um and he would have got the first down too that's the worst part he would have got the first down if he probably catches the ball even if even though it was behind him uh Man, I'm just sick for Colts fans, honestly, because I thought, you know, they were always hanging around the playoff race all year. Um, and for a season to end like that, even after you lose Anthony Richardson, by the way, um, to have your season end like that, it's kind of just worst case scenario, right? Because now you just missed the playoffs and now you're in that middle of the pack with the draft and, I don't know. Uh, I'd just be demoralized if I was a Colts fan, but extremely ecstatic if I'm a Houston Texans fan because I think they have definitely locked down their quarterback of the future in CJ Stroud. And just wait till they get more weapons, honestly. Uh, I mean, Nico Collins balling out. Um, they lost Tank Dell. I think that'll probably hurt them in the playoffs. I think Noah Brown was also out, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be another blow if he doesn't come back. Uh, because really Indy did a pretty good job shutting down the run game. I thought, um, you know, Damian Pierce, is it? Oh no. He, was he Singletary now? Singletary, them Singletary, uh, who's the lead back, you know, didn't really do much the whole game, but you know, gotta, gotta give my props to CJ Shroud. I thought I had, he's definitely proven us wrong here. Um, and so yeah, good for the Texans, but they're going to have their hands full in Cleveland, but we'll get to them. Uh, in a little bit, Matt, why don't we just wrap kind of the regular season before we dive into the playoffs? Um, one surprise team and maybe one disappointing team for you. Ooh, I think the okay, well, I'll do surprise first. I think the obvious answer would definitely be the Texans, but I'll stay away from that. I'll go with the Browns. I was definitely surprised with the Browns being not just a playoff team, but you could say they're a legit contender in the AFC, I would say. And it's not with 
DTR, who was the guy who was getting out of the hype with the draft. It's not their guy that they signed for 200 something million dollars to Sean Watson. No, it's the guy who they picked off the streets, former Super Bowl champ for the Ravens, Joe Flacco, <laughs> who's kind of turned back into, you know, Super Bowl winning Joe Flacco on the Ravens. I mean, who who in the world would have saw that coming? But I I, I sure haven't. I would have never guessed that. Seeing Joe Flacco be a quarterback of the Browns, like, nah. So I think just the story there, a potential comeback player of the year. I, I think Cleveland, definitely a surprise team for me. And the most disappointing team, <laughs> it brings me so much joy to say this one. <laughs> the birdies, the birdies in the NFC East. I mean, they're still in the I don't playoffs care. as the I mean, five you, seed. Look at what you're coming off. Like you were defending NFC champs. 10 and 1 to start cruising in the NFC East division, cruising to potentially the number one seed yet again in the NFC. And you lay an egg at the end of the season, you lose five out of six. Five out of six. That's that's not championship football. That's not how you go into the playoffs as a defending NFC champion. I'm sorry. You could say Miami, Jacksonville. I understand that. But with where the Eagles were, to fall that hard, there there is no other answer for me. It's the Eagles. They choked. They choked the division. They choked the one seed. And I'm going to be shocked, honestly, if they beat Baker Mayfield at this point because they just look like a hot mess right now. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I think, yeah, we can both agree Texans is the obvious number one surprising team. I mean, going from the second pick uh, one to making the playoffs next year, yeah, that's obviously the biggest surprise. So staying away from them, the obvious answer. And it, it's even hard for me to give it to to this team as well. But I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers um, making the playoffs. I'm just, I mean, I can't be surprised because we love Mike Tomlin on this show. We always give him his flowers. Um, and we know he's never going to go under 500. But still, for them, you know, to have the quarterback play that they did with how the offense looked this year, uh, for them to figure it out as usual and not only finish over 500, you know, but to make the playoffs as a wild card team, uh, starting three quarterbacks in the same season, you know, just got like the I Browns. Mean, <clears throat> yeah, that's true. But I just got to tip my cap to the Steelers. Thought they were my other surprise team. I didn't think they would make the playoffs this year, honestly, uh, with you know, how good that AFC North is. I mean, three out of the four teams, uh, granted Joe Burrow went down, but three out of the four teams making it to the playoffs. Got to tip my cap to them. Um, it was it was close between them uh, and the Bucks, honestly, but I, I just thought um, just a little bit more surprising with them. Um, and disappointing team, I had a bunch to pick from, like I was going through, honestly, Uh I mean, you could point at the Chargers. You could point at, I thought, the Patriot with how the Patriots looked, right? I wasn't um, really surprised, at what, to be honest. Like, their roster is just not competitive. Chargers, true, def- but, definitely, I could yeah, see the Chargers. Chargers char- like, I, I wanted to give it to the Chargers. Um, but to me, it's got to be Jacksonville. 
like the Jag for yeah. the Jags to not make the playoffs. Um and you know they were eight and three. They're eight and three, and you finish nine and eight and lose out on the playoffs. Um the surprise to me is just how they looked to end last season, you know, coming back. What was it the biggest comeback um to beat the Chargers in NFL playoff history? Uh and then to start off so strong to lose, you know, your five out of your last six games and not make the playoffs when, you know, you have the chance to all you have to do is win and get in, playing the Titans, uh Ryan Tannehill's back in the game, right? Uh I don't know. I Charter Lawrence did not look impressive to me. I'm not gonna it's it's hard for me to harp on him because I don't know how healthy he was, right? But to me, if you're gonna be healthy enough to go out there, you know, you have to shoulder some of the blame, obviously. And just in that game, I thought he had made a couple throws, but with just missing open throws and making bad reads, um, yeah, it was an ugly one for sure. So the Jags, man. So much potential. I thought they would run away with the South this year. I think but, we both did. Yep. Um, but that's football, right? That's why you got to play the games because they pretty much collapsed. I don't know why they went away from ETN so much towards kind of that middle end of the year. Um, but he he wasn't effective. But yeah, my, my disappointing team is the Jags on this year um, for not making the playoffs. So with that being said... It is playoff time. We're wrapping up the regular season. It's playoff time, Matt. Got a loaded weekend ahead of us. Lots of football, good games. I think really intriguing, interesting matchups here. Um, why don't we go in? Let's let's go in order of how the games are going to be played out. So first game is this Saturday, and that is. The Cleveland Browns traveling to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. So let's get into this one, Matt. Uh, first, start it off simple. Who's winning this game? This is going to be a tight, tight matchup, I think. But I'm going to go with the Browns. And simply because Joe Flacco. I tr- I'm a guy who likes experience in the playoffs. And I got a suit. Yes, it's Joe Flacco. He's 38. But he did win a Super Bowl a long time ago as a starting quarterback. And they're playing a Texans team. The C.J. Stroud story, it's great. I think he's going to put up numbers. But I just think the Browns' defense is going to be a little bit too much in this case. And Joe Flacco is not going to make that big mistake that you just don't want in the playoffs. I think C.J. Stroud, they're going to turn him over one to two times. I just think the Browns' defense is that good. And the Texans, they're, I guess you, they're kind of depleted. I think that loss of Tank Dell is huge. Um, that's going to be a huge factor. But I think the Browns come out of this one and go to Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I mean, they also beat Houston in Houston earlier this year. Um, but the Bill, you know, the Browns defense. Yeah, we always talk about their defense. They haven't looked great down the stretch. But I think, you know, they rest up, they get healthy. And I mean, I am scared CJ Shroud is just going to be running from Miles Garrett all day um, because I think Miles Garrett is one of the marquee defensive players 
in the league. And if he gets going, uh, you know, it's going to be a long day for CJ Stroud. And like you said, I'm going to give the nod to uh, the Browns experience. And I just think overall better roster. Um, and I like Kevin Stefanski. I think, you know, he he has done a good job managing that quarterback carousel. So he, he's been in the league for a little bit. Um, I like D'Amico Ryan, but I think, yeah, I'm going to have to give the nod to the Browns. Looking at the Browns uh, with the road win there. Um, so, yeah, we got the Browns done. Okay, next game on Peacock for some reason. NFL, thank you. Uh, we have team. my team, the Miami Dolphins, traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Uh, the weather is projected around zero degrees Fahrenheit. I think the forecast is about two degrees. It's going to be windy. Uh, not a great, you know, forecast for these Miami Dolphins. But nonetheless, Matt, uh, give us your take on this game. Ooh, this is this is a great matchup on paper. I think the NFL was happy in terms of this result just for their ratings, the story, the Tyreek Hills going back to KC. Like I gotta we gotta shout out the NFL script maybe later, but just a little suspicious with how these first first round games are. But nonetheless, the game itself, you know, obviously Tua, Hawaii boy, you want to cheer for him, but it, it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes at home in these conditions and being Miami, you know, a warm weather team, it's going to be tough to, to just throw the ball around. And to be honest, I don't trust Mike McDaniel to stick with the run because that's how you counter that. And Miami, you guys run the ball great when you guys do it. <laughs> but I feel like McDaniel gets away from it. Um, he's going to put Tua in tough situations, I think. He's going to do too much to me um casey they got a good defense this year i think chris jones is going to have an impact um so i think that's really going to be the difference i think mike mcdaniel's play calling is going to put two in harm's way and that's going to give patrick mahomes shorter fields to work with and i think that's just going to be the difference in the game simplistic offensive um play calling for kansas city on a short field um so i think kansas city gets out of this one Close game, I would say like a 20, eh, 24-20 game, I'm feeling, with the weather. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't even think that many points are going to be scored. Like, just honestly. Um, I, I guess I have two opinions looking at this one. So, you know, if I was a betting man looking at this one, got to take Kansas City. Um, and I kind of have a checklist here that I was, you know, comprising to – give my overall like objective view on each NFL game. And my big ones are, you know, home team advantage. I think that does matter in the playoffs. Um, I'm also going to look at quarterback and head coach. Uh, you know, those two kind of in tandem. Uh, the second and um, injuries. And so I think all those things kind of, matter so i mean that's just some of the big ones uh on this checklist that i have here and kansas city i think checks more of the boxes because miami is hurt and we are hurt bad um you know javon holland finally coming back from injury Xavier howard we're hoping he plays jalen waddle and raheem mostert 
didn't play last week against the Bills. Hoping they play. Obviously, I mean, Jalen Waddle, 1,000 yards again. Raheem Mostert leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah, those are two guys we're going to you know, hope to have to compete against Kansas City. Like I said earlier, no Jalen Phillips, no Bradley Chubb. Now no Jerome Baker, our middle linebacker. He's out for the rest of the season. No Andrew Van Ginkle. He is out for this game. We lose our fourth string uh, edge rusher. He's out for the rest of the playoffs, torn peck. So, I mean, you know, even if it was a fair fight, it's going to be a tough battle. But, man, with the injuries and it's Kansas City, Travis Kelsey, I don't know who's going to guard Travis Kelsey. Um, Unfortunately, I think that it's leaning towards Kansas City. I would have them winning. I think it's going to be a weird, ugly game, Matt. Um, like I'm thinking like one of those like 16 to 13 games, like we're going to see a lot of field goals, a lot of punts, um, just because of the weather and, you know, both these defenses kind of have overtaken down the stretch, uh, the prowess of their offenses. So I'm going to look at it. It's going to be a weird defensive battle. Um, but since this is my team, I'm going to go into a little bit of a breakdown. I'm sure you're going to do the same for your Cowboys. So I do think this game is winnable. It's not, you know, going to oh, be completely definitely. out of hand. It's the playoffs. The game is winnable. Like you said, the biggest key is um, I think it's going to be turnovers. So who can make – who's going to commit less turnovers? And who is going to, um, you know, not give the other team – a chance or more chances than they should. So if we can, like you said, establish the run, we play turnover free football, picks, fumbles, whatever that may be, you know, control clock, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines there. Um, and I think communication on the defensive end, because you're in Kansas city, it's going to be loud. You know, we've been getting burnt a lot on defense, especially in that Ravens game guys wide open. That's not a, you know, that just doesn't happen because it's a physical thing. That's all mental, right? That's all lack of communication, passing guys off. You know, we need to be on the same page defensively. Um, and we need to keep Patrick Mahomes as much as we can inside of the pocket, right? Like, if he's going to kill us from the pocket with the receivers that he has, okay, well, got to tip your cap, right? But the thing I don't want is we overrush on the outside, give him either a chance to step up or a chance to, you know, get around our guys, break contain, uh, and then he does Mahomes things. You know, that's the last thing I want to see. Just stay disciplined. I think that's the game plan to beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, but weirdly enough, it's going to be about stopping the run first because I think with Isaiah Pacheco, we kind of lean more towards this run first style of offense. Um, last point, special teams can't be allowing these big returns, kickoffs and punt returns. I think in a game like this, special teams is going to matter. We saw that in the Super Bowl last year with Kadarius Tony's big punt return at the end of the game. Uh, special teams, I think, are going to play a huge factor. We need to be disciplined on special teams. And honestly, I truly think if we do those things, we win this game. But that's more the fan side in me, the um, hopeful side. So I'm going to still say Kansas City, but I think the game is winnable. Um, 
Okay. Well, let me say one thing before we go to the next game. I think honestly, if Miami's gonna win this game, Tua's gonna have to do what he has to do on that last drive. He can't do what so. he did against Buffalo. I mean, not Buffalo. Yeah, it was Buffalo. Yeah, like it's gonna be that similar situation, right? You need a touchdown. I think you need a touchdown to win. Can you deliver? I think that's, I think that's what it's gonna come down to, honestly. And I could see that it's gonna happening. be up. It's gonna be up to him to to deliver. And that might be his contract drive or not. It's are they because he got the extension or I mean, they picked up. Sorry, they picked up the rest of his contract, right? They gave him the fifth year option. But the question is, is he going to get that Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert uh, extension in that class? So I think, like you said, this this playoff game in Kansas City is going to determine whether the Dolphins trust him moving forward as their guy. For the foreseeable future um i think that's a good point and i'm gonna be squeezing because i can already feel myself in that position i literally i can like picture it already like like Kansas the, city i feel like it's like snow yeah, maybe like, and they're up by, gonna kick a field goal yeah, they're up put them up four, four yep, so yep. they need a touchdown oh man yeah. i'm so scared that that's gonna come true um but i'm not gonna listen to any media until saturday <laughs> just block it all out because um, I already know what they're all saying. Oh, they're frauds. They're whatever, whatever. So, well, that'll be an interesting game. But we have to have Peacock to watch it. That's the only junk thing about that one. Um, okay, that is dumb. Uh, That's a yeah, dumb that, thing. I don't like that. Um, but next Sunday game, I believe. Next game is on Sunday. That's the other AFC game. Last AFC game, we got the Steelers at the Bills. I think we're all leaning towards one side, but it is the playoffs. You never really know. I think it'll be a close game just because it is a Mike Tomlin-led Steelers team. It is a Buffalo Bills team with Josh Allen that is kind of a coin flip sometimes. You know, hero Josh Allen, you kind of have to get the, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? Sometimes he makes the hero play, and the hero play sometimes ends up being the dumb play. So I'm still leaning Buffalo, I'm sure. I think you're still leaning Buffalo, but... It's the playoffs, man. You never know. Weirder things have happened. Um, although I probably can't see it happening here. I think we're going to need <laughs> need to see some really weird things. But, yeah, you never know. I'm still going to give the, the nod to Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, just put it simple. Buffalo has a quarterback. The Steelers have three. So, if you got more than one, you don't have a real quarterback on your oh, team. It's so. Mason Rudolph versus yeah. Josh Allen. And, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, you never know. You never know. But and no TJ Watt for the Steelers, which is oh, huge. is he confirmed to be out? Oh, okay, I think they're confirmed. yeah. I think he's out for cup like couple weeks at at best. Okay, so. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean maybe Nick Herbig heart and, can... heart and soul is gone. <laughs> so maybe Nick Herbig has a breakout game. That's that'll be my prayer. But unless yeah, really... Najee Najee Harris rushes for like 200 yards, then yeah, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, um, next Sunday slate game. That's the big game. The other big game for this show, we got the Packers at the Cowboys on Fox. A revenge game in some sense, not only for Dallas and Green Bay, the two teams, but Mike McCarthy, uh, the reunion with his old team in the playoffs. You know, I'm leaning Cowboys. Obviously, you are. But why don't you give us your kind of breakdown and uh, keys to the game for Dallas's victory on Sunday? 
Well, obviously, Dallas, I think you could say is the better team, but it is the playoffs and the Packers do uh, they do things that the Cowboys struggle in. And the one thing that I'm looking at is they run the ball well on offense and they got a two headed monster at running back. Aaron Jones is probably the most annoying running back from a Cowboys fan's perspective because he just torches us every single time. And you got A.J. Dillon. I think A.J. Dillon is coming back. So that's going to be a handful. I think if we can stop them, you make Jordan Love beat you. If that's the case, hey, whatever. The Packers found another gem at quarterback and we're going to have to suffer for another 10 years. (laughs) But I'm making Jordan Love beat me. And yes, I know these guys, Jalen Reed and, and Wicks on the outside, Christian Watson. They they got to beat me. They got to beat Deron Bland. They got to beat Gilly one-on-one. And if that's the case, you tip your hat to them. But I am not letting Aaron Jones run for 150 yards. AJ Dillon adding another 50 yards, you know, two touchdowns. Like That's just a recipe for disaster. So the good thing is Dallas, they got Jonathan Hankins back. He was out for a few weeks. He came back against Washington. So he's healthy. I think he was just getting his feet wet a little bit. So I like that piece there. And I also like the fact that Damone Clark showed me something against Washington. He is one of the worst linebackers above by pro football focus's standpoint. But he was flying around against, albeit against Washington. But just to see a linebacker make plays for a Dallas team that has no Leighton Vanderish, that's going to be huge. So those two guys I'm looking, you guys got to be the X factors and save us. But, you know, I, I truly think this is Dallas at home, right? Let's not overthink this. We're the better team. You come out and you play your game. You're going to beat the Packers. You should beat them. I think Dak, he's just built different this year. There's just something about him. Like, I just get this aura, like, he has like that that Mamba mentality. Um, he was doing his post game interview with Aaron Andrews. Um, you know, she was asking him, "Oh, why aren't you wearing your NFC East hat?" And he said, "I want something bigger." Before everybody, you know, put your hats on. Dak was, you know, enjoying the moment. But this is the first year I really noticed, like, oh, like, yeah, I I, I like that. I like that because it sends a message to your team that. Don't just be satisfied for division wins and whatnot. Like you're the Dallas Cowboys. You expect to win Super Bowls every year. We've come up short for 28 years now. This team is poised. They're ready to make a run. CeeDee Lamb is that wide receiver one. Tony Pollard got his confidence back against Washington. And Mike McCarthy, for the most part, he's been in his bag as a play caller. Now, the one thing I'll be honest that is going to worry me is I feel like this game is going to be a one possession game, like a 31 24 kind of game for Dallas. But Dallas is going to have the ball at the end of the game. And what is Dallas going to do? Are they going to run the clock out? Are they going to try to go for the kill? Like, that's where I want to see Mike McCarthy step up as a play caller and a game managing coach. And just do the smart thing, right? Learn from your mistakes, please. If you have second and two, team has no timeouts on the other side, don't call a go route, please. 
just run the ball. If you get stopped, that's okay. You run the clock out, drain it, and you got a kicker on the other side who's going to the Pro Bowl that you have the uttermost confidence in. Take the points, put the pressure on the Packers, and you let your defensive line attack at the end of the game. But I just don't want to see Mike McCarthy do something stupid, and then that gives Jordan Love an extra 30, 45 seconds to do something crazy at the end of the game. But I hope that's not the case because I got a guy in number four that's taking us home this game. So I got Dallas 31-24. Okay, I like that, 31-24. All right, well, let's keep it moving here. Sunday night game on NBC. We got the Rams at the Lions. Script writers, like you said, at it again. The return of Matthew Stafford to Detroit. And Jared Goff gets to go against his old team that he took to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Um, This is an intriguing matchup to me, Matt. Uh, You know, of all the games that are going on this weekend, this is my highest upset alert one that I am looking at, I know Detroit is at home, right? I know they're at home. They're a good team at home. They play really well offensively. But, you know, something about the Lions gives me Miami Dolphins vibes, like for some reason, right? Um, You know, you look at Jared Goff and Tua, it's like, are they game managers more? You know, can they be the guy to lead them down the field at the end of the game? Yes, no, I, I, I don't really know there. Um, but I'm looking at the Rams who are playing good football, you know, as of late going into these playoffs. And I don't know, I think that uh if they get their guy Kyron Williams going, uh that's gonna open up that play action for Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, who is yeah. having an amazing year. Um and Quite frankly, you know, I was saying you kind of when you have the t- my my checklist, right? I'm kind of leaning a little bit on the Stafford McVay side than I am the Goff and Dan Campbell side, only because not only because, but you know, I was leaning quarterback for sure. Head coach, yeah, I like what Dan Campbell did. Sean McVay, obviously, we know is a really good coach, Super Bowl winning coach, but I think I'm scared the aggression of Dan Campbell in the playoffs is going to come back to bite them. Um, I love the aggressiveness. You know, you're trying to win games. You believe in your guys. That is great. But I can't ignore that Dallas decision at the end of the game when, you know, you're going for two, tried to win the game. Hey, great. You know, I have no problem with that. You go win the game. You go believe in your guys. But when you take a penalty and it's fourth and seven now, essentially, you know, fourth and goal or, you know, two-point conversion from the seven, and you're still going to go for it instead of tying the game to take it into overtime, that's when I have, that's when aggression, it's too aggressive for me. And I think if we're going to see, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fake punt from Dan Campbell. He's going to gamble. It's the playoff, you know, he's going to lay it, lay it all out there. Um, trick plays, fake punts, maybe a fake field goal something you know going for it on fourth and eight fourth and seven um i think that aggression in the playoffs you got to be a little bit more calculated um and taking points when you can flipping the field becomes more important 
Um, and the Rams, they're a dome team too. So, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not going to be a real big difference for them. Maybe the noise, right? But outside of that, I think uh, the home field advantage in this one might not be the biggest factor, especially Matthew Stafford too, right? He knows what it's like to play in Detroit. He was there for, you know, most of his and career. plus years. Eight plus years. So uh, this is my upset watch, Matt. I'm going to actually take the Rams in a close one. I'm going to say it. Unfortunately, Detroit, I love your story, uh, but I'm leaning. It's good at like 24-23 Rams, I think, or, you know, 23-20, something like that. I'm going to go, I'll say 24-23 Rams uh, in a nail-biter, going to come down to the end. And I just think, you know, similar to what we've seen Tua come up short, I think Jared Goff might just come up short at the end of the game there. Or it's going to be one of these, like, crazy decisions that comes back to play them. So I got the Rams. Okay, I thought I was going to be the one that was going to have the underdog pick for once, but you you beat me to it. I'm actually with you. I think the Rams I think the Rams beat beat the Lions in this one. Part of it is me as a Dallas fan, me as an anti-Detroit fan now because I think they're just getting a little too crazy with this uh, you know, Decker reported like bruh, it's been a week. Get over it. And like you mentioned, you guys had a chance to at least tie the game and go into overtime and you guys had a chance to get the 2 seed and your coach went for it again. You guys had three chances and you got none of them. So, I don't feel any sympathy for you for that aspect, you know? And like you said, I just think the aggression by Dan Campbell, and if you look at it going into the week, think about what he did. He played his starters and you're thinking, okay, why are you playing your starters? To keep rhythm, but they're trying to maybe get the two seed. But Looking back on it, you would still need Dallas to lose and you need Philadelphia to lose. Dallas is playing Washington. I mean, look at that team right now. They're a hot mess, right? Dallas has everything to play for, so you know they're going to play. The Eagles still have a chance to win the division. They're playing who? The Giants. Mm. Third string quarterback. What are the odds? Albeit, you know, the score ended up being, but... What are the odds that actually happens, right? They lose that game. So you need two outcomes and you need a win just to move up one spot. But look at that. Look at what that cost you. You lost your all pro tight end. <laughs> he's out. He's done. I don't even think he's going to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a huge loss for that team because now, as a defender in coverage, where is Amon Ross St. Brown? I'm that's just going to. I'm going to find him and Mm -hmm. that's it. Live or die with the rest. And then my linebackers crash the box. You don't have to worry about golf running, right? It's, it's all Monty. It's all Gibbs. But I just think like what you said, Dan Campbell's aggression to just go, go, go everything pedal to the metal, hundred percent. That's that he might've lost the game with that decision just to play because you lost Sam Laporta, who's such a huge part of your offense and look at what the Rams are. They clinched a playoff spot early. They basically had a bye week against the San Fran 49ers. They, you know, Puka Nakua played to get his record, but as soon as he got it, Sean McVay said, get him out of there. <laughs> Stafford didn't play. Cup didn't play, but they're banged up. Aaron Donald banged up. So for them to get rest, healthy, 
Kyron Williams, a guy who's workhorse this year, no touches this week. So he's coming in fresh. So I just like the rest going into the playoffs for the Rams. And then the, like you mentioned, the Dan Campbell decisions, man, it's kind of starting to come back to bite Detroit two weeks in a row. So I just think, you know, that that's a huge, huge loss for them. And I, I, bottom line, I trust Matthew Stafford more than Jared Goff. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think the Rams, I think, I think the Rams win by a solid touchdown. I'm going to say 27, 20. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I was surprised. I didn't know if you were going to go with the upset there, but um, that helps Dallas <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because the Rams would then go to the Niners and then we get the winner of Philly and yeah. Tampa Bay. If yeah. that plays out, obviously according to schedule mm-hmm. and script. So yeah, going to that last game, Monday night football Eagles at the Bucks, Matt, um, Eagles limping into the playoffs. Bucks, you know, winning the NFC South in not surprising fashion. Three teams uh, were kind of in it towards the end there. Uh, Bucks get the tiebreaker over the Saints to win the division, clinch the four seed. Um, I don't know, Matt. I if it was any team but the Bucks, honestly, in the NFC. I would have them beating the Eagles and as bad as the Eagles have looked. And I mean, bad, especially this last one against the giants. Um, I just can't pick against the Eagles here. Um, you know, the bucks they've had, you know, their ups and downs for sure this season and just not knowing which team I'm going to get is kind of the part that scares me. Um, I think the biggest advantage for the Bucks is if Baker is on, they have a chance to win because that Eagles secondary has been getting absolutely torched as of late. The defense has looked terrible. Um, you know, to lose, to put on that performance in a must win, you know, not must win, but you're playing for something against the Giants who have kind of been, you know, more or less of a laughing stock in the NFC East from their season last year uh just a terrible momentum ride for the eagles limping into the playoffs at what 11 and 5 after they were 10 and 1 so uh if it was any team but the bucks man i would give it to them but i'm sorry baker i'm i'm just i don't i don't know it, it's just too much of a coin flip for me i don't have the consistency um, we might get good Baker. We might not get good Baker. Like it's, uh, and we've seen Baker be absolutely amazing this year, but we've also seen some not as great performances, right? Um, and it's the playoffs, so maybe you know the Eagles they have a winning pedigree. Maybe it, you know they finally lock in, focus up, do what they need to do, and you know they come out there. If Jalen Hurts' finger doesn't bother him too much. I think I still like the Eagles. I think it's a close one. I'm going to go with, uh, I think this one's a little bit higher scoring. I would say 31 to 24. I think I got the Eagles uh, over the Bucks, but it, I'm not super confident in that either, but my gut is leaning more towards the Eagles. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I agree. This is a pretty toss up one, but 
with how the Eagles have looked, you lose five out of your last six. And not to mention, the injuries are kind of piling up. I mean, you just touched on it. Jalen Hurts hurts his finger, his throwing hand. (laughs) So that's already a huge thing. He's already been dealing with a knee injury. AJ Brown, I don't know the status of it. I haven't read enough of it, but he went down. I don't know how severe that injury is, but if he's out, just forget it. You're not winning without him. Devontae Smith is nicked up. I mean, the secondary, they're already nicked up. Darius Slay might come back, I believe. But he's, you know, how rusty is he going to be? He hasn't played in a few weeks. So the injuries are piling up. And I just think Tampa Bay, yes, it wasn't a pretty showing against Carolina. But they did win, I believe. I think they won five out of their last six or something like that to win the division. So I still have a team that's kind of riding high into the playoffs, good momentum versus a team that had everything to play for, everything in front of them. They were the one seed at one point controlling their own destiny, and they stunk it up. And like you said, they're going to turn on the switch, but they had about six weeks to turn on the switch, and they didn't. All of those games meant something at that point, and they didn't answer the bell. And Tampa Bay is at home. They have a pedigree of winning. I mean, a lot of the guys that won with Brady, they're still there. I mean, you got Rashad White there in the backfield now. You still got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, two solid guys on the outside. And you got a pretty decent, I would say, defense. So I think Tampa Bay comes out of this one. And like you said, Baker Mayfield, he's going to be the key at the end of the day. It's going to be... Baker versus Jalen, the Oklahoma boys going at it. But I think Baker, you know, with the way that his season has gone, I think he shows out in this one. We'll get good Baker in this situation against a torchable Eagles defense. So I think the Bucks win, I'll say 28-24. Okay. I like that. I Honestly, I hope we get good Baker because that offense, when it's clicking – yeah, it's fun to watch, and I'm all for upsets, especially in the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, we'll wrap on that, I think. You know, that was a long NFL segment. We still got a couple more things to talk about here. So uh, why don't we close the bowl? Or um, unless, I don't know, do you want to talk about Super Bowl predictions, or do you want to wait on that? Yeah, let's do a Super Bowl prediction. Can I do a quick one before okay. the before any games okay. start. That, that's a good that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking about this, and man, I it, it's tough. Uh, on the NFC, the AFC, I think I'm just gonna give it to Baltimore. Um, it's good. I think it'll be between them and the Bills if you know both teams take care of business. But I think Baltimore Lamar has just shown. He is ready um, to lead this team. And the defense as well has picked up um, as to where last season they kind of struggled with injuries. I got Baltimore coming out of that side. But, man, the NFC, it is it is tough for me uh, to decide. It's I'm going to – I'm picking between the Niners and the Cowboys. Um, but, man, I it, it's, it's just so hard for me to pick um, – against the Niners when they're healthy like if if they stay healthy I think 
it'll be a good game between those two. But I just I can't pick against the Niners when fully healthy. And I think the Cowboys have this is the best Cowboys team we've had in a long time. Like, honestly, and I got to give credit to them. So it's between those two. I think it'll be close, but I have to give the slightest edge to the Niners there. So I'm going to go with the two one seeds out of each division with Baltimore and the Niners. But it's close, man. It's close. Okay. Okay. No, that that's what I expected because that's the color of the you know Super Bowl logo, right? The purple and the and the red. But you know, part of it will be true. I think. I think in the AFC, I agree. I think Baltimore is just they've been the most consistent team throughout um, the season, especially towards the latter half of the season. They've had some pretty impressive wins. I mean, they dominated San Fran on the road, then they dominated your team which is a still a good quality Dolphins team. So I think with that momentum going in, they're healthy now. Um, the path is there. And I think Lamar is playing at an extremely high level, probably going to win MVP. I'll keep it simple there. Baltimore and the AFC. NFC, unbiasedly saying, Cowboys. I'm going to pick the Cowboys to come out of the yeah. NFC. Here's why. Here's why. I'll give a little you know, prophecy of how I see the playoffs playing out. I I have a vision that San Fran loses in the divisional round. Wow. And they're going to lose to the Rams because the way the right, highest seeding mm-hmm. goes to the highest seed, lowest seed will go to the one seed. So Dallas, they play Green Bay as the seven. So, you, you, you know, you beat Green Bay, you knock them out. So that means... The lowest seed in the tournament would be the Los Angeles Rams. And like we said, I think they're going to come out and shock Detroit. And I like the Rams going into Santa Clara. I think that's a tough matchup for the Niners. I could definitely see the Rams beating them in that one. For all the times that they've just bust them up, they know each other. There's something about division games that just scare you to death in right. playoffs. That's true. That's true. That's why, but unbiasedly, I, I don't want to play the Eagles just because of that. They're mm-hmm. not playing well, but it's still a division game, and I just hate that anxiety in the playoffs. But point. I can see the Rams coming out of there. And if the Cowboys, you know, you take care of business, you know, we won't get into that, but that means you would play a home game against the Rams for the NFC Championship. Yeah, sign me up for that one. And you guys beat the Rams already, right? Have the blueprint. I like your chances with the way Dak Prescott is playing. I think right now he's the best quarterback in the NFC playoff field. And anytime you got the best quarterback in the field, hard to go against that. Oh, and by the way, you got CeeDee Lamb too. So I just think everything is there for the Cowboys. The script will take its place. Cowboys Ravens, baby. I feel it. I feel it. And I'm doing this to myself because if they they stink it up again, I'm going to break my heart again, and you're going to have to listen to another 40-minute rant. (laughs) But I just feel so good about this year. They're they're right where they're supposed to be, and it's there, and they're going to go take it. Okay. I like that. Um, I could see that happening too, just saying. So I'm not ruling out the Cowboys, but uh, my hope – like, it's just thinking the Dolphins as optimistic as I want to be. But it'd be Kansas City in Kansas City. Then we'd probably have to beat Baltimore. 
in Baltimore. And then we'd have to beat Buffalo in Buffalo. That's a tough road. Assuming everything plays out, you know, as we think. And honestly, I think we can beat Kansas City. Like crazy as it sounds, I think we can. Baltimore is going to be tough. Like you said, with how they've looked and how we looked literally uh, last week going against them. I'm a little bit worried, but I think we can win one. I, I like. I really think we can beat Kansas City this weekend. Yeah. So, you um, know what the dream matchup is? Dolphins Cowboys Super Bowl. Oh, obviously Vegas? that's the dream. <laughs> but man, I'll tell you though, Matt, if the if the Dolphins and it's a slim, slim chance, but if the Dolphins make the Super Bowl, I think you should be worried because that means they would have gone on the road and beaten the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Bills. And that is a scary team. Any team, I don't care what team it is. You just say this AFC team went on the road and beat those three teams. I don't care what team that is. That is going to be a scary team to face. I don't think it's going to happen. But I can hope, right? Hey, I wish for hey, thinking. You know what? If the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl, I could care who less who they play. Because <laughs> it's... That's game seven already. All chips in the middle. It, scouting report, it doesn't matter at that point. You just got to get there. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Hey, okay. that would be great for this that show. That would be great. I would love it. <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap on NFL until next week. Oh, got to talk about the CFP, college football, the last era of, you know, the 14 playoff. And now also the Pac-12, unfortunately, didn't get a happy ending uh, because Michigan came out and pretty much rolled them, you know. But I will say, uh, if if I had a a dog in the race, you know, I would, and I was cheering for Washington, I would be kicking myself because I thought the Washington defense outside of that first quarter, man, they played their butts off to really just keep them in the game, you know. That first quarter, I thought, man, it's going to be a wash just like last year. Um, I think Michigan had close to 200 yards rushing in the first quarter. Uh, two big ones by, was it Donovan Edwards, I believe? Donovan um, Edwards had two, and then Quorum had a long run, too. Quorum had a long I just was like, yeah, it's cooked. They can't stop the run. That's what we always talk about, right? Yep. <laughs> Number one thing, stop the run. They couldn't do it. Okay, well, Michael Penix, sorry, you don't even get a chance because they're just going to run the ball the whole game. You don't even get the ball. But, hey, credit to that Washington defense, that Husky defense. They stepped up and kept them in the game. And, unfortunately, Michael Penix, who we have been high on, um i really like him you know even as an nfl prospect but he came up short i thought in this one he did get injured you know throughout this one was taking uh some pretty big shots but i mean washington they had their chances not only michael Penix, right there were some big penalties one penalty took away um you know a long reception but it just felt like man they just as a team weren't white all on the same page in the game that they needed hit the most and so i think that was the biggest one um because the defense man they kept them in there and i was like oh man you know it's only a matter of time before this washington offense with michael Penix and their three headed monster at receiver gets going and i mean they were cooking their dbs at some points too but they're just like overthrown or 
not on the same page or a drop or a penalty. And it's, man, I just, I'd be so sick because the game was right there for the taking and the Huskies just couldn't quite um, capitalize on that. And, oh yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I think you got to give credit to to Michigan's defense because I mean, you mentioned it. Penix was he was off the whole night. He he didn't look like Michael Penix, like how he did for the first fourteen games. And that's a frustrating thing because you know, being an Oregon fan, I see this guy light me up all the time. It's like, why the heck couldn't you do this against us? Like, and stink the bed up. But I think Michigan deserves a lot of credit because. They were getting pressure and watching a lot of Washington games this year. That wasn't the case for really any team. Um, Penix has really stayed clean the entire season. And I think that's allowed him to stay really on script. And I was talking to Blaze about this too, like we were messaging. But I think Michael Penix, I mean, yes, it was a championship game, tough matchup. But there were some flaws in his game that I kind of noticed. I was like, ooh, I never saw this before because he just wasn't put in that situation. Was I don't think he's as good as people think he is when the play isn't on script. Like there's got like Caleb Williams, you know, even to some degree, Bo Nix, right? When the play is and you got to scramble and you got to make a throw on the run or something like that. Like that's what makes those guys special. And that's what you got to do to me in the NFL. When there's those off script plays, you got to just be able to improvise and be the dude. But I just didn't see enough of that, I thought, today. And with the pressure from Michigan, everything was off script. The timing, timing of the routes, the blitz pickups, everything was off. So I thought that was something that I noticed where it was like, hmm, can Penix handle this off script stuff? Because the NFL is going to be playing a ton of Michigan guys every single day, you know for the rest of your life, as long as you play in the NFL. So I just thought that was something that I noticed that I never really saw in Michael Penix before. So that's something that I think scouts should take note of. I don't think, you know, it's going to hurt his draft stock or anything, but something to keep an eye out. But like you mentioned, Washington, they hurt themselves, man. They really did. Um, You know, when you have penalties that negate big plays, that's the things that just break shoot back and that one i know you you brought it up but there was a penalty where washington i think they were still down seven at the time they get a big completion to ondunze to go to like the michigan 30 right right on the brink of scoring at least a field goal potentially tying it up holding (laughs) i just think those penalties you just you just can't have that in a championship game especially for a team that was struggling all night long. Um, but onto the defensive side, that that first quarter was hard to watch, man. Like we we always talk about this with UH, especially, but it's like you just gotta stop the run. And you know it's it's Michigan too. Like they are built up front. It's Blake Corum or Bust, basically. And nothing against JJ McCarthy. You know, he's a great winning quarterback. But I just, he's not like, I would say, like a Michael Penix or a Caleb Williams, Bo Nix kind of guy where it's like, you know, this guy's just going to drop back and beat you from the pocket, right? He's more of a game manager, from my understanding of watching him play. Make him beat you. 
don't let Blake Corum run 40 yards a touch and let Donovan Edwards get 30 yards a carry every time he touches the ball. Like that was just hard to watch, but give them credit. They did, they did fix that, you know, going into the second quarter. So the defense, yeah, tough start, gave him a chance at the end, but yeah, the Washington offense, man, you guys put up all these big numbers, but when you guys needed it the most, just you had that rough day picking up the blitz coverage. So I think that was the story of the game. Michigan's defense just out-schemed Washington on the offensive side. So, hey, I guess it was Michigan versus everybody. The Harbaugh story is, congrats, is complete. Congrats to Michigan. Well-deserved. Shout out. Um, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, like you said, get to the state of the 808 for the Hawaii tie in that game. But um yeah gotta shout out to harbaugh who maybe we'll see in the nfl next year who knows lots of rumors floating out there i guess we'll have to see where he ends up um but yeah congrats to michigan and let's get on to the 12 team cfp huh we'll yes. see how that see how that plays out yes all right um let's moving on uh uh basketball map diamond head classic recap we were at the game cheering for not uh because our alma mater the portland pilots were playing uh don't know how many portland games i'm gonna catch if that's how they're gonna look all season because uh it was not a pretty game to watch felt weird being an opposing team team's fan in the stand sheriff center uh kind of liked it but would have liked it more if portland was good <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't you give us your kind of breakdown of the you know the season, the Diamond Head recap, and the past few games that have been uh, starting conference play? I mean, it feels like it's been a while since we touched on UH basketball since we were both out. We had the short pods the past couple of weeks, but let's remind people that when we last touched on UH basketball, they're entering the Diamond Head Classic. We talked with Hunter. We had the breakdown, the predictions. So UH ends up beating Portland. But then they go on to lose uh, the next two games in the tournament to finish fourth. And then you start conference play. And then they have a tough loss at home against Fullerton, a game they definitely should have won. I mean, and then you go on the road this past week, they get a split. But it was a really ugly split, you could say. So I'm looking at the the last few games. They lost two games in the tournament, Diamond Head, and then they go two out of three losses to start conference play. So that's what four was that four out of five now you lose. That that's not a good sign. And I think the common thing that I noticed with these losses is every game was close. Every game was close at the late stages of the game. And it just seems like they just they don't close. They don't know how to close games up. And that's a bad sign to have, especially already in conference play. Um, you know, I don't like to rip on Javon McClanahan. I mean, sometimes he deserves it. But, you know, when you cannot make free throws, and I'm talking about the Fullerton game, the dude got fouled, had a chance to, you know, send it to overtime. And he or extend the game and he missed those free throws. I mean, it's been a common theme, not just him, not just him, but 
really the whole team, the ability to close. It just seems like there's no, there's no guy that that can handle that pressure. Javon's trying to be that guy, but it's like he just, he made one shot last year, and that's kind of like okay, we we're just gonna assume it's him. But I I just don't think he's that late game quote unquote closer. I think we need to find somebody this year. I still think Noel Coleman is your best offensive player. You go through him, but he's he's been kind of struggling. Again, he started fast, kind of hits that midseason wall. So I think for Hawaii, it's just you got to find a way to get Noel Coleman going and you got to close games because that, that's been the, the thing that I noticed these four losses that they have is they, they just don't close games well. And I hate to bring this up, but Aran Ganat deserves a ton of blame in this. You got to prepare your guys to be in this situation. And you have a veteran team. There is a lot of seniors on this team. So you should have no excuse to panic, to um, to just fold in these late game situations. I mean, you can go back to the beginning of the year when they played Nevada before the Diamond Head. Um you know, there was a chance for Hawaii to tie the game. You know, they turned the ball over in the inbound. And then, you know, they come back down next possession. Jovan, like, just a deer in headlights, like, just travels. Like, I don't even know what he was doing. So it's just been kind of a downfall ever since that game. So just not a good look. And I think, you know, going into year eight or nine already for Ganat, bro, you got to win, man. <laughs> I don't care. This is Hawaii. You're, as Hunter says, we got the best facilities in the Big West. And somehow we're the most mediocre team in basketball. And I, I just don't understand that. We are literally the Dallas Cowboys in the Big West. We got the nice hurrah. You know, we got the Hawaii, state of Hawaii, right? Everybody wants to come to Hawaii. You know, you got the Stan Sharp Center, nicest arena. And we're the most average team. <laughs> Always going one and done in the tournament. So, yes, the season is still early in conference play, but there are a lot of things to figure out. And I think it starts with this homestand coming up. They play a tough team in Irvine, who's in first place. And again, a tough team in Riverside. So there's a potential they could lose both of those games, honestly. And if it's a close game, I would honestly bet on them losing because they haven't shown me anything to this point so kind of a downside for uh basketball but there's things that need to fix and need to fix fast all right um i'm gonna skip the nba map because we still got a lot more nba season left to go and this pod is going kind of long so why don't we wrap on some mlb stuff um yankees still a little bit quiet but i know there's some rumors floating out there why don't you address some of those well, I've been hearing, uh, you know, Blake Snell has had some some interest. Um, I was on the record saying I, I don't want him. But, you know, at some point, I, I guess I'm getting desperate because your team keeps signing everyone. So it's like we just need something. And Blake, uh, uh, Blake Snell is still a Cy Young winner. So hypothetically, the Yankees could get the two Cy Young winners from the past season in their starting rotation. And I think for the right price, you can go after Snell. 
I really do. I think it, but I was saying, I don't want like a six, seven year, like a long-term deal for Snell. I just think that's just going to be a disaster with the pitcher that he is. He's not a, a guy who's going to eat innings. Quality guy, but he's just not a longevity guy, I feel like, with the way he pitches. So if it's like a two, three-year deal, you kind of load up on the average annual money. Yeah, I think you can survive that. But, you know, if it's a five, six-year deal, I would have to do a little more research. Um, I still think the best option out there, Corbin Burns, if you can get him, you know, I would take him from the Brewers in a heartbeat. Obviously, I'm a fan of Dylan Cease. I think he's got some potential for the right price. But the guy I really don't want is Marcus Stroman. I got to be honest. I, I, I just don't think that's a great fit. You know, he's got the the pizzazz, but is he really a big game pitcher? Like, I, I just don't see that fit in New York. So I definitely, if I'm the Yankees, I'm staying away from Marcus Stroman. And by God, if they give him like a six-year, like $200 million deal, I might just cry at this point. <laughs> but that's the breakdown. It's got to be, you know, the Snell on a short deal. Or you go trade for Corbin Burns or Dylan Cease. Okay. Or both. Yeah. Um, but your well, team, so annoying. You guys signed everybody. Like, what the I know. Hell? Uh, didn't even know we were in the play for another outfielder. But we get Teoscar Hernandez from the Mariners. Uh, I like the pickup. Because That's a great pickup. We kind of struggled a little bit against left-handed hitting. Or, sorry, left-handed pitching. I should say, and adding him. I know he strikes out kind of a lot, but he provides a little bit more pop, right? So that's what you like to see. I think pretty good defense as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he got a big contract, 23 and a half for one year. Um, hey, I'll if, if we can afford him, let him keep coming. Hey, uh, but it's deferred. He has eight million deferred. You know, this deferred, deferred thing is getting yep. out of hand. Hey, man. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but that's a discussion for another day. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited because now we really have a interesting platoon going in the outfield. Uh, with Mookie Betts sounding like he's officially going to be the starting second baseman. Uh, I think James Altman for now has center field on lock. <laughs> So right it's kind of a rotating position in right field with uh, Jason Hayward and shoot, who do, I'm blanking on the other guy. Um, you got Taylor. Margot, Taylor. sorry, Margot. Manuel Margot. <laughs> I forgot, sorry. Uh, Margot in right field. Sounds like that's the platoon there. And then Chris Taylor, who, yes, will probably be the left-handed, or sorry, will probably be the left fielder but also, you know, utility guy, we can move him around. Uh, but he's going to platoon with Teoscar Hernandez in left field, who I think will provide a nice spark at the bottom of our lineup um, as well. So I'm happy. Hey, we keep, if they want to come, let them come. They want to defer the money, be team players, Matt, because that's what we are. Out of that's, hand. What, that's what the it's Dodgers are. Hand. The Dodgers are team players, as you can tell. You know, Max Muncy is kind of interesting. Throw this little caveat out there. Max Muncy got on an interview or something recently and said, yeah, a lot of the I guys or a lot of these guys that are that were worried about their stats are not here anymore. 
And I don't know who he was referring to. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I think it's also funny. I think it's funny, too, because uh, Max Muncy, you know, I think needs to care about his stats a little bit more uh, in in the average department. Hey, home runs. He came back this year, had a much better 2023 than 2022. Nonetheless, I'd like to see that, you know, on base percentage uh, boost up a little bit more back to when he was, you know, one of the league leaders in walks that I would love to have back. But anyway, I just I just thought that was an interesting little nugget. Oh, huh, now um, I want to know who those guys are. I don't man. know. I don't I don't know who he's talking about, but uh yeah, who I'm, left? I'm, who left? I mean, it has to it's only really Corey Seeger, uh, Trey, Trey Turner, may, I don't know. Uh Belly left, you know, uh Kenley Jensen, Justin Turner, but you know, that doesn't those guys don't really stick out as numbers guys to me. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious, but yeah, you can go find that clip after and maybe you can do some digging, uh, in your free time to find out for the show. But anyway, uh, yeah, Dodgers just, just more good. I'm just hoping it all pans out to a good regular season. Okay. Uh, lastly, let's wrap it because we went kind of long, but foolish fool, Matt, who's our foolish fool of the week? Foolish fools of the week. It's gotta be. Jameis Winston slash the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, to run up the score like that, that, like, he disobeyed his coach's orders. Like, let's put that into context. First off, I think that means Dennis well, Allen should be fired. He said it was a team decision, so. Yeah, but Dennis Allen told the team, take a knee, so – I'm guessing they called the play, take a knee, they go in the huddle, Jameis says, all right, Jamal, like, you want to score this one or what? Are you guys in? Yeah, okay, let's do it. I'm pretty sure that's how it went <laughs> because Probably. Dennis Allen said they were going to take a knee. <laughs> so just the whole mess of that situation, I just think just a, it's just a, it's a bad look. And to be honest, I, I understand Jameis's point where it's like, you know, you're on the one-yard line. Oh, if they scored an interception, right? Would it have counted as a run-up score? No, I don't think so. But I just say, if you're going to try to score, at least line up in an actual, like, formation yeah. where you're going to score. Don't go in victory formation and then try to do a trick play on them. That's just dirty, man. <laughs> that's, yeah, a cold, that's a cold move. So I'm a yeah. little... Janus... <laughs> Because I see, like, I get, yeah, it's never over until the game's over and there's no, you know, it's NFL, there's no, you know. Well, the game was over. It was 41 to 17. Game's over. And I wouldn't, I don't, I personally am not a huge fan. More of what what you said, like, if if you want to score, go line up in it. Don't go victory for me. It's just like (laughs) kicking dirt. Yeah, in exactly. the wound, and the, the the Falcons next year, man. When they see the Saints, oh, they're gonna be humming. Yeah, they New are not offensive. gonna that. If they get Ben Johnson, can you imagine Ben Johnson from the Lions goes and he gets? I don't know who the quarterback's gonna be, but he gets Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson. Oh man, uh, yeah, watch out, New Orleans next year. I think that first game, we're gonna see something. There will be a fight for sure. I can oh, almost yeah, guarantee there will be a fight in that game. Um, yeah, foolish yeah, fool. Okay, that's my foolish fool of the week. Yeah, that makes sense. I I agree with that. Um, okay, state of the eight oh eight. 
like I said, in the Michigan game, we had someone with Hawaii ties, and that would be Roman Wilson. Had a heck of a CFP uh, run, you know, had the big catch against Alabama and scored the touchdown. And then this game, you know, pretty quiet, only three catches, but did have one pretty long catch. Uh, but, hey, he's a national champion in the CFP era. Got to tip my cap to him. I don't know. Is he going to declare? I would think he would. Um, he is their best receiver. Gone. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how high he's going to go, but I would – Sounds like he's more of a mid-round uh, talent with some upside. I would love to see him in the slot somewhere. Um, you know, I think I think he'd be a good good fit for a lot of NFL teams. So shout out to Roman Wilson and the name we need to keep an eye on, uh, Talia Tangvaloa, entered sure. his name into the transfer portal. We don't know where yet, but it would be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, you know, I I don't know where he's going to go. I would imagine he stays somewhere on the East coast, I would think, but eh, you never know with NIL nowadays. Right. So that'll be a name to look out for. Where's Talia going to play his final year uh, in college football. But other than that, we went pretty long, Matt. So why don't you wrap us up here? Sports fact of the day. All right. We are recording on January 8th and in honor of the college football playoff, we'll go back to a fact about the playoff. In 2018, um, Alabama, number four in the country, they beat Georgia on a walk-off touchdown by Tua Tungavailoa to Devontae Smith. That's kind of, the you could say, the birth of Tua Tungavailoa, that game that put him on the map. So that's our sports fact of the day. You're a quarterback, Tua. Okay, yeah, that's a good one to end on. Big NFL weekend. I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss next week. Um, hoping for the best results for both of our teams, Matt. Please. Uh, I think I need to pray a little bit harder than you for my team. But nonetheless, good vibes for, for both of our teams. Um, but as usual, yeah, you know, everyone that's uh, in the islands, stay safe, stay dry. Um and, you know, everyone have a good week and we'll see you guys next week.